Hi, I'm Chanel, digital marketing specialist, marketing coach, and owner of Ninky, a strategy and content marketing agency that helps businesses increase their online presence and build their brand community. If you're a marketing manager, CEO, or thriving business owner, this podcast is for you. Ninky Talks offers marketing tips, insights, and advice from industry professionals who know their sh**. If you dig the podcast, subscribe and share it. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Ninky Talks. Today, I'm talking to Anita Schneider. Did I do that right, Anita? Yeah, spot on, spot on. Excellent, excellent. Any relation to Rob Schneider, different kind of Schneider? No, but I wish I had some of his gifted uh, acting ability. (laughs) And his his daughter's a very talented singer, Elle King. Ah, okay, didn't know that. Well, there you go, I love some of that in my blood. (laughs) Enough about Rob Schneider. Back to Anita Schneider. She's the founder of Teams on Purpose. Teams on Purpose helps individuals, teams, and organizations thrive by supporting them to develop their capability for innovation, collaboration, leadership, and growth. I recently saw Anita at the SA Woman Summit at the Adelaide Convention Center. She was absolutely fantastic, a super captivating speaker, very funny, and has loads of value, which she is going to share on the podcast today. So welcome, Anita. Brilliant. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. It is my pleasure. Let's start with you. Tell me about you. Tell me about what you do, what you help businesses with, who you work with. Yeah, great. I think you did a really good introduction, but I'll try and um, simplify it down a little bit because I think I do two things. I think I help um, build leadership capability. So I help leaders essentially be the best they can be. Um, but I also help um, teams play nicely in the sandpit together. So I help teams thrive. I help them perform. I help them be more productive. Um, I help, you know, individual team members feel valued and recognised. So all of the things, I guess, that make um, a team high performance. And, and I guess my ultimate uh, purpose is is really to um, create happy, healthy workplaces where um, people love coming to work. So um that's sort of what I do and how I do it is um running corporate team offsite. So I'll take, you know, a team away from the day-to-day, get them off the the hamster wheel of life and 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 get them to I guess sit um in a room with all of their teammates and just really focus on the the health um and how the team is functioning. So not really anything technical, but just going, hey, you know, what's working really well? Where are we at? You know, where are we looking to go in the future? Um, so I do that through yeah the corporate team offsites, um, team development programs, and also leadership development programs. So I work with many different um, corporate groups, um, medium type enterprises, even down to like small not for profit teams. So really, any team um, that functions as a team and has you know a leadership um, tier, that's who I who I work with. I love that, and I love that you straight away spoke about the team because I know that I've worked mm-hmm. in so many organizations where the managers get whisked away to you know five day leadership training or one day leadership training, and the team is left behind, and like the whole like point of being a leader is you are leading a team, 
So bridging that gap between what you're teaching leaders, but also actually like considering the team as a greater part of that is so important. Um, otherwise, there's just a huge gap between the two. Yeah, and I think I think there's one thing that I've learned along the way is, you know, we all operate in a team. And so it's whether it's a you know community team, a sporting team, a work team, when we step into a leadership position, we, we don't actually have the skills or the, you know, um, kind of, uh, approach to actually know how to lead a team and but it's such a fundamental thing and we talk about um all the time about you know teamwork so important but how do we actually do that we never actually get trained so um I think it's one of the most important things for for a leader is to actually take that time out to you know to do these these types of initiatives all together absolutely and I absolutely. think to take that designated time to get to know the team and also each individual within that team because we can't like apply a one-size-fits-all approach to everybody because everybody in the team has a different way of learning or a different way of communicating and so designating that time like you say away from the office to really get to know the team and their individual strengths and what they struggle with so that you can almost tailor the way that you lead them um, is super important so oh absolutely I just love what you said then because like one size does not fit all and I think one of the amazing benefits of things like team development is you do get to know um you know the individual team members on a deeper level and you know we do things like personality profiling we do activities like you know what are your areas of brilliance and what are your blockers so you really start to understand what makes people tick, what motivates them, what they struggle with um, in their drivers. So sort of once you can tap into that, I think that's super powerful for, for a leader and in leadership. And we don't always learn that, you know, on the job. So actually designated the time again to do so is so important. And it's so interesting because... Um... And not, to, not to, to discount the work that you do, but in some ways, it's so simple. Like it's going back to the basics of just understanding like humans, like not seeing your team as these, these minions or these workhorses that are just sort of one dimensional. Um, like it's really just about going back to the, the basics and understanding that the team that you're dealing with are humans that have their own set of needs and fears and frustrations and desires and you know, how can you, you know, bear that in mind when you're leading them? Or how can you expect to lead them if you don't kind of just see them as being like a human? So I love that that's also all factored into what you do with the personality tests. And um, you said the, what was the word you used? The brilliance and the block? Brilliance and blockers. Yes. I got that from a great mentor of mine. So what are your areas of brilliance? We all have brilliance and often we don't want to share it or we're too humble to, to share that. But then there's also blockers that kind of prohibit us from, you know, being our best self. So these are the areas of growth that we, you know, need support in or need to, to work on. So a brilliance and blockers session is, is really awesome. But I'd love, I absolutely love what you just said about it being simple because it actually is really, really simple. But you know, we're caught up in a, a culture in, in our workplaces where, you know, we, we're busy, busy, busy. It's a productivity culture. And, um, you know, it's seen often when you take that time out as, hey, I'm, you know, I'm taking time out from my real work. <laughs> um, but, but from what I experience with teams is this is some of the most transformational, foundational stuff you can do. And actually taking the time out 
makes the real work stuff a lot easier, a lot more collaborative. Um, communication increases, productivity increases. So the benefits you get from, you know, pushing the pause button are fundamental. So, yeah, it is really easy, but we don't always prioritise it because of the, the constant hamster wheel, you know, cycle that we're on. And it's such a good reminder for anyone who's listening to this podcast who hasn't in a while just hit that pause button to actually spend time with your team. Um, I know that when I get a new team member on board, I never just throw them in the deep end. Um, I always go, and this sounds awful, but I say team first, client second, because unless the team that's going to be managing that client or that employee that's going to be managing that client is okay, they're not going to do a very good job at servicing the client. So, of course, the client's needs are important, but like you also have to prioritize the time that you're putting into, um, you know, into the team. And I'm interested to know, like, um, I know you've been in the industry for a while. What are some of the changes that you've seen um, or like the big differences in like the traditional leadership versus like more modern leadership because I think we've all become so much more aware of things like burnout and getting off that hamster wheel and like focusing on productivity and focusing on profit and forgetting about the people so like over your career what are some of the shifts that you've seen in traditional versus like modern day leadership yeah I think we've really you know over the last you know two or three decades starting to move from this old world leadership style of um, a very directive leader follower type approach to more um dispersed leadership um and really tapping into you know everyone's in you know everyone in the team and their expertise and each team member leading um in certain areas um so you know just try to provide more autonomy um and a less directive approach and also the, the consultation type, um, you know, process with with team members. So getting their input, you know, we have to be able to, um, you know, get input from from our team and not as a leader just think we have all the answers and and you know know everything because we don't. <laughs> and and often our team knows you know a lot more and, and better than us. So I think the shift has has been in more consultation. So you know, asking the team, um, you know, what do you think? What we should do? Getting them to be accountable and an owner and have then the buy-in um so that's one big one the biggest shift like that has happened over the last five years is obviously the hybrid working model and the hybrid working model um is you know has amazing positives but also big challenges for leaders because there's a, quite an issue going on at the moment around you know how do we motivate and engage staff that are working from home it's a very different dynamic because when you're in the when you're in the office or when you're in the workplace, you you have those kind of informal chats and you get the vibe and the feel and, you know, it's a very different culture um, compared to when you're sitting alone, you know, at, at home in your home environment. So I think the biggest challenge is, is motivating and keeping, you know, people engaged and inclusive as a team in that, in that hybrid working environment. So I think those are a good couple. I think the, Another one is a massive shift and focus on on you know one of the things you mentioned, which was the the well being and the workload. You know when I talk to talk to CEOs and C suite execs, it's all about you know how do I manage um, 
you know, my my layers upon layers of, you know, work, personal, um, you know, stakeholder engagement, my board responsibilities. There's all these different layers that they're dealing with and how do you actually, you know, set boundaries? How do you actually um, prioritise your time, you know, make time to have your one-on-ones with your staff, make time to have your team thing? So that's probably one of the biggest challenges we've seen. We've just gotten busier and busier and busier and um, something really probably has to change. Um, you know, in, in the next little while in terms of not glamorising as leaders that, you know, busyness as a badge of honour type mentality. Mm, those are all really, really good points. And it were two things you mentioned about inclusion, which I'd love to chat a bit more about, mm-hmm. and boundaries. So um, one thing I feel like I'm really good at is, making the team feel like they've got you know some skin in the game as it were so um I like to get them involved in decisions that we have to make as a business that they feel like they're contributing Mm -hmm. to so much more so that I find quite easy to do um boundaries on the other hand I feel like that's something that is a really really big struggle for a lot of people personally and professionally because as a leader you want to and I'm going to talk I want you to tell us a bit more about what you spoke about at the summit about the mask um but I'm super candid super open super silly with my team but I also have to be very careful that I don't um you know that I have that boundary and I've been very lucky up and like I've been very lucky up to this point that my team have been very respectful of that unspoken boundary where they know that you know Chanel's being fun silly boss now but they know that if there's anything that hasn't been done right, that I will shift into, we need to talk about this mode. So I think that I've been lucky to have the team that didn't need to know about the boundary, but when it comes to doing physical things to create that boundary, what are, what's some of the advice that you give to leaders around that boundary setting piece? Yeah, I want to take this in the direction of um, the the leadership mask or the leadership facade, I think, um, because I think that is one of the protective or the the boundaries that we we put up. Um, So, you know, one of the things that I I talk about is, you know, for many of us in in leadership, when we fall into our our first leadership position, we often lead in a way that's, um, you know, that's that we've experienced before. So, um, if we've had a boss in the past that had, you know, a certain style or way of doing things, um, we'll tend to emulate or copy that type of leadership behaviour because that's what we've seen and that's what we've experienced. So we're almost a product of, um, you know, all the references and experiences that we've we've had. And I had this early on in my an accounting career where I, you know, felt that um, leadership was very masculine. It was very, you know, um, I'm the boss, you will do what I say. It was head down, bum up, don't talk to anyone, don't talk about feelings, all of this type of thing. And I thought that's what it you know, took to be a leader. And uh, I started off leading in that way, but it didn't get me very far um, until I realised that, hey, this was actually a really big mask that um, I've got on. And it's not actually you know, the, the right way or the only way that we can lead. Um, and actually, when we take the mask off and be our genuine, authentic selves, um, people actually respect us more. They trust us more. They can see the real us. We've got credibility. And I think maybe that's what your staff are seeing. They're seeing, you know, all sides of you. They're seeing, yeah. you know, the fun, playful, authentic side. But then they're also seeing, hey, 
um, let's kick some goals. We need to, you know, up our game here. Let's be professional. So they're seeing both sides of you. And I think, um, you know, I think that's really important in leadership that we can be dynamic and, and be both of those things. Um, just coming back to your question about the, the boundaries, I think it can be, um, you know, really tricky in leadership uh, and probably one of the biggest challenges to set those boundaries. And I think when we just start off, like in our first leadership position, um, it's almost like school of hard knocks kind of, you know, mentality. And I think as we kind of move on in our career, we get better and better and, you know, better um, if we continue to focus on our development in that area. So I think the boundary comes from, you know, showing only one side of yourself, um, but also the boundary stuff comes from, you know, saying no, um, clarifying I guess whether things are on purpose, you know, if someone asks you to do something, is it is it on purpose for you, for your organization, for your team, um, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, boundaries are also around, you know, times that that you work. You know, having that clock off time is if is that six o'clock. Um, you know, when is it? And making sure you're vigilant and disciplined um, around that. Um, obviously there's emergency type situations. So I think there's many ways we can show boundaries, but I don't think it's always easy, um, you know, to do that and it takes practice and experience. Yeah, and I, I love that you've said practice because I think that when we're learning new skills, we forget that we do need to practice them um, and that it's not something that we learn overnight. So um, I like that you've used that word. And to circle back on the authenticity piece, um, I shared a story when I was invited to speak on a panel about human-centered leadership. Um, and I told a story about how um, I was in a position where we had a client who owed a lot of money um, and it was, it no longer made sense for the business to work with, you know, clients who owed us a lot of money because it obviously puts a lot of stress and you've got to, you've, you've got to retire those relationships because it puts your, you know, your business in, in, in a lot of risk. And, um, I remember the day I just burst into tears at my desk, which I'd never done before and is not something that you would ever see a leader do typically. Um, mm. And in that moment, my team literally wrapped their arms around me and said, um, like, you, you, we've got this. Like, we're fucking good. You're fucking good. We're so good at what we do. We'll replace this business in no time. And we did. Like, I retired the client and we replaced all of that business within – a month and it was such a great way to see like almost reverse leadership like what can you show your team so that the day that you actually need something from them they have seen how you act that they'll give it back to you because sometimes leadership is you feel like it's a bit of a thankless job sometimes <laughs> like you're constantly having to to lead and put the work in um and sometimes because when if you're at the top of the chain if that's how your organizational chart is um, no one's thanking you for anything as the CEO or as the the boss or as your own manager. So if you can create an environment, you know, be vulnerable and create an environment where you can show your vulnerability and authenticity, you will probably get it in return one day when you need it as well. So it's kind of like that two way that two way street. So I think finding that finding the boundary, finding the balance um, in that authenticity is it's not an easy thing to do, but if you can do it, it's really really rewarding. Yeah, oh, what like what a great outcome that you you know you got with your team from like a situation that um 
you know, like you perceived as negative, that all of a sudden I think that probably changed that team dynamic and all of a sudden it was like the three musketeers, you know, all for one, one for all, we're in it together. Mm. Um, you know, we can see your struggle, we've got you, and I, I'm sure the outcome of that would have been very different if you just had, a, you know, closed off and, and had that guarded approach. So, uh, uh, yeah, well done. And I probably yeah. would have held it in. I probably would have, you know, if I wasn't some, I mean, I'm very lucky that I am just an emotional person and that like I come from a family of really good communicators. So like I'd rather tell people where I'm at, even my husband, I'll I'll say, you know, I'm feeling quite irritable today, just a heads up so that if I snap at him, he's got the warning or whatever it might be. So <laughs> I think like being really open about that. So authenticity, I think is a really good quality for a good leader. What are some of the other qualities that you think make a really good leader? Big presence, um, being present, and that encompasses many things. I think being present um, is about listening and really listening. So not just, you know, listening to kind of answer back or listening to problem solve, but actually trying to listen to seek to understand what that person's saying. Um, and I think listening conveys empathy as well. So part of presence, I think, is, you know, being, you know, being empathetic. So if someone does communicate with you, hey, I'm struggling today or, hey, this is how I'm feeling, actually going, oh, like, wow, that's tough. You know, do you want to talk about it? Or, you know, you know, can I do anything to support you? So actually um, having that, um, I don't know, care and, you know, uh, understanding that this person's, you know, understands what I'm going through and, and got me. And I think the other one under presence is probably, you know, I'm going to get this phrase right because sometimes I don't say it right, but it's technology is the enemy of empathy. So technology is the enemy of empathy. So when we're on technology and as a leader, you know, people will come to your office or you'll be on the phone or, or whatever, and if you're on your technology, you're not actually being present at all. You know, um, it's like, oh, I'm still listening, but at the same time I'm typing on my laptop. So that's not being present. So I think um, putting away the distractors when we're with our team and with our people, it's also, you know, a really important leadership characteristic to show that we care about what they're saying. Um, we can't do two things at once. When we are, no matter what we tell ourselves, we're not good multitaskers. Um, it's the science. Science has proven that. Um, so I, I think heard that. Understanding that like is, only is two percent of the population, or something, can actually multitask. I want to know if there's a test that you can do to test if you're in that two percent. <laughs> Well, I used to think that I could multitask. You know, I used to wear it like as a bit of a badge of honor and say, I'm a great multitasker. But I, th I think as I've gone along, I've realized, no, you're actually not doing anything really well. Mm. You're just doing a lot of things to maybe 80% and you it's taking you a lot longer. So now I think just um, concentrating on one thing at a time, super important. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, just coming back to your... Um, other question just about leadership characteristics. I think the other one we're seeing is resilience. Um, you know, we're, we're in an, I guess, an, like a an era where change, you know, is, is happening rapidly. And it has been for years and years. It's not going to slow down, but it's, I think, increasing in pace. And we've got, um, you know, obviously COVID brought many changes. We've got this decarbonisation here in Australia where, you know, where we have to move to net zero by 2050, which is a lot of change for businesses. There's heaps and heaps of changes and heaps and heaps of hurdles for leaders to get through. And I think the ability to um, go, hey, you know, this is shit, this happened, 
we're not going to dwell on it. You know, we're going to acknowledge that it's there, um, but then, you know, we're going to problem solve or we're going to accept it or we're going to, you know, try and do something about it rather than kind of whinging and moaning and complaining about it. So I think the resilience is like the ability to to bounce back as a leader. And I think that's, you know, one of the biggest things. I still see many leaders getting caught up in, you know, frivolous little issues and kind of making it a big deal but when you're resilient you go hey this sucks but let's let you know what else can we do there's hope in the future and I think you know probably similar to what you experienced with your team in that situation you know there's going to be other clients we've got this together um Mm. so I think those are probably a couple of the others um another one that I, I do speak about a lot is is hunting for elephants and yes I love that one as a yeah, as a leader, we need to, we need to, I guess, um, not just be talking or not just accept things at face value. We have to take a, I guess, a bigger, holistic look at what's going on, you know, in the business and in the team. And um, a lot of that is is thinking about what what are we not talking about? What are we not discussing? You know, what what things are kind of festering under the surface, or what things are we kind of sweeping under the rug? that are elephants in the room. So trying to find those elephants in the room, bringing them out in the open, however uncomfortable or challenging that might be, is actually one of the biggest, you know, um, skills as a leader is to to draw that out. You know, um, I've worked with some teams and, you know, there's, I guess, individuals within that team that have had very destructive, toxic behaviours that were really impacting everyone's experience within the team but you know no one was saying anything about it no one was holding anyone accountable for those behaviors and so you know it was just people getting more frustrated because the leader wasn't um you know wasn't doing anything about it and no one was doing anything about it so just to be able to bring that out um and have that generative conflict if needed is super super important too yeah and having and I suppose having the tools to do that right so um I know that like I've got KPIs with my team and I've got like qualitative KPIs or qualitative KPIs and then quantitative KPIs so part of their qualitative KPIs is things like you've got to you be polite and respectful and or and all of these things because I think it's can be awkward to have that conversation um but if you've got some tools there to support you it then becomes quite diplomatic and quite um objective and not personal um, and somewhat slightly less emotive Um, and I think it was Brene Brown who called it like a rumble like you've said hunting for elephants I think she calls it a rumble like just going let's rumble let's get let's get into the uncomfortable and and get used to being in the uncomfortable because we're not going to resolve these issues unless we feel a bit uncomfortable Um, so I love that hunting for elephants thing and I couldn't agree with you more on the qualities of the leader I agree with all of those wholeheartedly and one of the things that I'm really interested in personally and professionally is the topic of empathy um, compassion and resilience especially and I always ask this question on my podcast um, is resilience something that you are born with like, and is empathy and compassion something that you're born with? Or is it something that you can learn? And if so, how can you learn it? Because I do believe it's possible to learn certain soft skills that you might not have. I don't know how, but I feel like I was, oh, this is going to make me sound like a big fat wanker. I don't mean to, but I feel like I get my resilience from my mother and the way that I saw her bounce back 
as we grew up mm-hmm. um, and my compassion from, you know, my gran and my mother. So I feel like I've got it because I grew up with it, but not everybody did. So like, I guess my question to you is, do you feel like those qualities are something you're born with or something that you can learn and how do you go about learning them? Brilliant question. I love this question. And I'll relate it back to like, is a leader, like is a leader born or, you know, can you develop leadership characteristics over time? And I think people are born with natural leadership characteristics. Like we have some, you know, incredible leaders in our society um, you know, that that are good or evil. You know, I think probably Hitler was one of the examples of, of a, an, an incredibly influential leader with natural leadership characteristics. But for most of us, I think we, we develop leadership characteristics over time. Um, and I think resilience and empathy are the same. So some of us are naturally, our natural personalities are to, you know, have that kind of empathetic, caring um, nature comes innate to us and it's one of our areas of brilliance and one of our areas of superpowers but you know for for someone like me I actually don't have empathy as I guess a natural instinct from growing up I've had to actually learn that skill of empathy and actually had to you know almost train my brain to to kind of lean into to you know care and compassion first rather than going to the critique side so 100% think that empathy can be learned, but for some of us, it is a lot more difficult than others. I also think resilience is one of those things like you described, you automatically become more resilient if you've experienced hardship. Um, and I think some of the best leaders in the world have become amazing leaders and more resilient leaders because they've experienced some kind of defining moment or transformational experience Um, and we call this like a crucible of leadership kind of moment because it's a it's you know an experience which is probably traumatic an experience that um, is probably quite negative with some trauma attached and so from that you start to think differently Or, you know, if you can sort of shift your mindset in that, um, I think probably a lot of the thought processes and patterns, I think that we have can make us more resilient, resilient. but I certainly think that um, having experienced some form of hardship definitely builds resilience um, in, a, in a quicker fashion. Yeah, I agree. And I can't believe I'm going to do this because it's so cheesy, but I, I think it's a Tony Robbins quote. And he said, life doesn't <laughs> doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. Um, and I completely agree with you that like, you know, diamonds, what is it? Like diamonds don't grow unless they're under pressure or you know, unless there's some, some hardship that's happened to get them out the ground. So um, I think, again, it's leaning into those difficult things. Um, and then it does start to almost build like a muscle, that like resilience muscle um but you're right i think you you've got to be open to having the hard things happen because that is what makes you resilient it's the only way that that'll happen um so yeah i think that that's i just i just love love that topic and can talk about it um forever yeah i definitely agree i just want to um come back because there was one thing you said as well about the rumble about brene brown and i love brene brown's work um but there's also another phrase called lean into like leaning into the tension so sometimes, like sometimes I feel, you know, this uncomfortable or, you know, sometimes I feel uncomfortable when I'm, you know, having a conversation with someone or, or with a group or I see a shift in body language or I see someone's tone or, you know, they, they give me signs, I think, that, you know, a topic 
um, is a bit uncomfortable or there's a bit of tension there. And if you actually tune into it, you know, I think really early on in my career, I used to almost like pull away from it and try and avoid it because it was really uncomfortable. But as I've obviously gained confidence and experience in, you know, in my role, now I'm like, whoa, like I almost get excited when I can yeah, feel that tension quite, in the room. satisfying, yeah. It is because you go, okay, we're onto something here. You know, this is where the gold nuggets are because if we can start to move through some of these uncomfortable things that people don't want to talk about or, you know, or they don't want to be vulnerable around or whatever it is, then we can, you know, actually talk about what's important and get to a better outcome together. So always talk about lean into the tension. If you feel it and it's there, acknowledge it and don't let it pass you know, you buy, actually go, hey, you know, is, is this something here? Have I missed something? Tell me more about this. Um, and actually, yeah, leaning into it. So Anita, I've got one more question for you. As a business owner, odor, as a business owner, which is a very particular type of odor that only <laughs> business owners have, um, strangely enough, and it smells of fear and rainbows. As a business owner, <laughs> how do you identify that there is an issue with your leadership team? So if you're like a CEO and you've got managers, like what are the warning signs that we need someone like you to come in and work with us? Yeah, it's it's, it's an interesting question because there could be many. Um, the biggest thing that I probably want to say, though, is I think treating your leadership team as you would treat and service your car, though, is really important because, you know, we buy a new car, a used car, whatever it is, and, you know, we we get it serviced at regular intervals. So we take every six months, we get it serviced, we top up, you know, the oil, we change the tyres, all of that type of stuff, and we service our vehicle because we want it to keep running well. We want us, you know, we want our vehicle to get to A to B without breaking down. And I think this is the same for teams. So it's not team, team development and leadership development is not necessarily just when there's a challenge. It's going, hey, we need to be proactive in our approach to actually help us, you know, get to the direction we want to go to make sure everyone's still in the vehicle, to make sure, um, you know, that we have all the resources and parts that we require. So I would say um, get ahead of the game and before the team breaks down, actually invest in it um, early on. If that's not possible, I think, um, look, there's many. One of the biggest ones is, look, my team is not working as a team. They're working in silos. Everyone's just worried about their own patch, um, their own, you know, concerns. And it's almost like they're competing, you know, against each other. Um, the other one is, you know, hey, we really don't know what, you know, the goals are or what the direction is. And everyone is kind of off, you know, a bit aimless um, and not actually sure what they're working towards. So they're not actually getting the productivity and, and you know, meeting the objectives like they need. Um, other challenges are like interpersonal, like conflict or challenges. So some team members don't get on or, um, you know, there's a negative culture or kind of a negative vibe in the office, like a can't do attitude rather than a can do attitude. Um, it could be that, you know, the, the team or the leader's don't appear to have you know leadership skills in terms of engaging and motivating people and you know maybe there's complaints from um from staff um you know lower level um it could be around engagement and motivation so it presents really really differently depending on the industry the leader um and often and often we don't actually know 
what the challenge is until you sort of sit down and talk about it and go, hey, tell me a bit more about this. And um, we only see the little symptoms, I think, or the behaviours at the top, but we don't actually know what's underneath the iceberg. So one of the things about team development, I guess, that I do is to helping identify, okay, that is a challenge. Like how is it actually affecting the team and what can we do about it? That's all really helpful in terms of warning signs. And one of the things that I really love that you said is is the maintenance piece, like getting your car serviced, because again, a lot of these sort of leadership programs, they, they come in, they'd be pumped up for a day, but then all of that falls, falls through the wayside. So knowing that it's something that constantly has to be maintained is really, really important. Um, and yeah, you know, and said- I'm definitely, well, sorry, I'm definitely not like a, a believer in that as well because I think you can run a one-day team workshop and the momentum is there for a couple of weeks, but the real long-term transformational change for, for teams comes when you invest regularly. And whether that's every two mm. months or three months or whatever the frequency is, it's just having that, team rhythm or team tempo that prioritizes you know time together um, and time to work on the health of the team so yeah definitely the preventative stuff is really really important absolutely um anita you have given us so much good stuff today and i really appreciate your time tell people how they can get in touch with you yeah, absolutely. Look, I love a coffee or a, a wine, just depending on what time of day it is. So um, let me know. But um, website is Teams on Purpose, www.teamsonpurpose.com.au. Um, you can look at me on LinkedIn. I'm quite active on there. Um, so send me a, um, you know, a private message or something. So that's Anita Schneider or Teams on Purpose. Or my email is Anita at teamsonpurpose.com.au but yeah would love to chat um anything leadership teams life really um always a lifelong learner so yeah definitely keen to keen to learn more i hope you enjoyed this episode of ninky talks if you did please review and subscribe see you next time